Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep. Never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the 2020 Olympic Trials. And if you are a repeat listener to this show, you know that I just changed the intro a little bit because we are no longer simply focusing on the marathon trials. We're going to be extending this podcast all the way through the summer to incorporate not only the marathon, but also all of the track events as well. I couldn't be more excited about this. We're going to go once a week from March all the way through the summer. However, in February, we'll be going twice a week to prepare for the marathon trials in Atlanta. So with that being said, today's guest is Neely Spence Gracie. Just a few short years ago, Neely was one of the best female marathoners in the country. Now, after I have, excuse, sorry about that. After giving birth to her son, Athens, she's had a long road back. Uh, into marathoning and regaining her fitness and dealing with injuries and all sorts of things. But she got her Olympic trials qualifying nod in Houston last weekend. This is the third time she has qualified for the Olympic trials. She has done it in 2012, 2016, and now 2020. Oddly enough, she has never actually competed in the Olympic trials just to do due to other factors. And hopefully this year, as we're approaching February 29th, she'll be able to do just that. Neely is such an insightful person. This was a wonderful episode. And uh, to her great surprise, actually turned into a rather emotional episode. But with that said, she's such an inspiring, motivational, and just delightful person to talk to. And I couldn't wait to share this conversation with you. So... Without further ado, here's my conversation with Neely Spence Gracie. Hello, Neely, and welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm excited to talk to you. First of all, congratulations. You did it. Three-time Olympic trials qualifier. You just qualified for the 2020 Olympic trials next month in Atlanta in the marathon with your 244 at the Houston Marathon. First of all, Neely, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's a huge relief. It's funny how you phrase it, right? It's a huge relief. I know it's like it's been a long road these past, you know, year and a half or so to get to this point. And you know, you've been on other shows and you've, you know, had plenty of articles written about you. Um, I know a recent one came out in January of this year in Runner's World as well. So there's a lot of places for people to learn plenty about you. So we're going to be a little bit more focused on the last you know, year and a half, and especially recently uh, with your buildup to Houston. But I guess first things first, did you think it would take this long for you to have your first race um, basically postpartum? No, I I definitely had higher expectations for myself. And I thought that my you know, postpartum plan was um, very conservative and very realistic and not rushed in any way. Um, and that was not the case. I ended up, um, you know, not having the smooth uh, progress that I thought I would have. Uh, my son Athens was born in July of 2018. And, you know, I had heard that first six months is rough. And so I was super cautious. I was really, um, you know, focused on being a mom. And yeah, I was running and I was excited to get back into it. But first and foremost, my mind, my body, everything was 
still his. Um, and so I just kind of took things really slow that first six months. But then at that point, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Like, let's ramp up. I'm excited. I want to see what I can do. Hopefully I can do some, you know, early spring races, maybe do, um, you know, either a half uh, in the spring um, or summertime where I could get my qualifier. And then that gives me plenty of time to have, you know, a nice long build up into the trials. Um, because my, um, my last race prior to getting pregnant was outside of the qualifying window for the 2020 trials. Um, so yeah, I, I thought I had everything organized and planned and my body uh, had something else in mind. And so uh, as soon as I like flipped that switch of, okay, let's start training, my body was like, uh-uh. Um, and it was kind of a struggle. So yeah, that was like January of um, last year. So it's been like a year of not a lot of consistency um, to the point that I took three months off this summer. Uh, because I, uh, my body finally was just like, nope, you're done. And my uh, femur fractured. So yeah, it hasn't been smooth. It hasn't been um, that enjoyable. But it's like, like I mentioned, it's a relief. Like I was still able to do this big goal that I had uh, set for myself, um, you know, when I got pregnant two years ago. Yeah, you wonder if this is, you know, running the running God's karma. You know, you named your son Athens instead of Atlanta. You know, you weren't thinking forward, Neely. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that might have been the issue. Quite possibly. There is an Athens, Georgia. Um, oh, great point. Which is kind of funny. Um, but yeah, I... My, well, it's funny you say that because my husband and I, um, we've had that name picked out forever. And so as soon as we found out we were having a boy, it was like, okay, Athens. Like it was so easy for us. Um, we knew exactly that that was going to be his name and it fits him really well. Um, and you know, it's unique. Like we've never met another child um, or person named Athens and people often ask us, you know, where'd you get that? And it's like, well, um, it's the birthplace of the marathon and the birthplace of the modern Olympics. So it's kind of really significant, um, to us. And it was, uh, pretty cool because on our baby moon, we actually went to Athens. And so, um, that was like, you know, a really fun and enjoyable and exciting experience, um, to get to do that. And we hope someday to take him back. Yeah. And I'll tell you what is funny. I was listening to, yeah, I I listened to them in real time and then went back to listen to them this past week after we kind of scheduled this conversation and listening to your interviews, you know, around this time last year, kind of like March, April, you were on a couple different podcasts and kind of talking about how like, all right, you feel like you had at that point kind of, kind of crested the the top of the hill in regards to some of the injuries that you'd been dealing with in your return. And again, you had, you, you chronicled this, that you'd really come back very conservatively and, you know, working with PTs and that you, you went out of your way not to rush this. And you had, even with that being said, we're kind of beset by all these little injuries that usually affect kind of like newer runners and, you know, people certainly have not, not of your caliber and things like that nature. And it was funny in those, in those interviews, 
it sounds like you're coming to grips like, okay, this is hard and it's wearing my body, but I feel like there's light at the end of the tunnel. I'm about to turn this corner to like this, you know, this open field of possibilities. And in retrospect, it was almost like you were kind of nearing, you know, quite literally a breaking point with your body and, and things that were, that were kind of coming your way. So looking back at that time now, you know, with kind of that 2020 vision that, you know, the, the past gives us, what do you think happened there and what would you change if anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was really hard. So I, like you mentioned, I was dealing with shin splints um, all last winter, which I had, you know, had in high school uh, when I was a new runner. But uh, I, it's not a super common injury. Um, and for people who have, you know, been in the sport for a long time. And so at first I didn't even know what they were, but I ended up having to take several weeks off last winter, multiple times, um, because things would start to feel better. I'd get back to running and they'd come back. So that was really frustrating. It was kind of in this cycle of like, I'd have, you know, a down week or two, and then I'd have a good week or two, and then I'd have, you know, and it was so wearing mentally um, to have to always be like, every run was like, oh, is it going to hurt today? Like, or is it going to be okay? Um, And if I miss one day of stretching or one day of massage or whatever, um, you know, what's going to happen? And so that was really hard. And then I, uh, I guess in April, things were starting to click and I was getting excited and I was feeling, uh, like much more like myself. And so that's when I started to, okay, I can like kind of hope and dream again, put some races on the calendar. And it was like the week I put races on the calendar, my hips started hurting. Um, and I had never had any hip pain before. So that was something that was really new, um, that I had never dealt with. And that was kind of that point where it was like, oh no, like I finally got through the shin splint thing. And like, I didn't even have a full week of feeling good before something else happened. And when that pops up for the first time, and I guess obviously it's like when you have lingering injuries, they're frustrating because you just wanted to be done, but there's a certain amount of knowledge and certainty that come with them. Where you're like, okay, at least I know how to handle this because I've been doing it before or I've done it before. When you have this new thing pop up, especially if it's not like, oh, I turned my ankle, like, okay, cause and effect, but it's like, oh, where did this come up? How did you feel in that moment where it's like, again, like you mentioned, like you thought you had reached this new point and then this new issue comes back. Like, what was that? mentally and emotionally like for you? Yeah, it was like, I thought my body was feeling like I thought my body was like, no, you're done. Like we're, we're over this and you're not going to run. Like that was how I felt. And I got like so mad and frustrated um, because I felt like I had done a lot of things right. And, you know, there were definitely things I was like, eh, I think I started speed work a little too quickly. My body didn't quite handle it. Um, it wasn't quite ready to handle the volume of speed that I was doing. So I think that was a little rushed, but that was kind of a hindsight thing. I thought that it just felt hard because I hadn't done it for so long. Um, but I think I was, you know, pushing and overexerting a little bit more than I should have. Um, But yeah, there was nothing that was like majorly blaring. I wasn't running high volume. I was doing like 60 mile weeks and 
when I'm in full training, I'm doing 90 to 100. So I was, I thought I was still being cautious and conservative. Um, and then, yeah, when the hip thing started, um, I took a week off and it started to feel a lot better. Um, and so I kind of like supplemented with cross training as I could. And I got back into things and I was starting to feel pretty good. Um, and this was my right hip flexor, which, um, you know, I don't know for sure, but I wonder if maybe that was like the beginning of like a stress reaction or something. Um, but because I rested right away, it never progressed. Um, but as I went out for a run, um, and I was trying to do like a tempo and I felt really off the whole run, just like I was forcing my body every step of the way to try and hit a pace and I wasn't hitting the pace I wanted to hit. I was falling short, but like I didn't have anything left to give. Um, and I turned headed home and in the last mile of that run, my left hip just like blew up and I had never had any pain in the left side. It had all been in the right side. Um, and the rest of that day, I like couldn't even walk. Like I remember I took Athens to the park um, and I got out of the car and I put him in the stroller and I was trying to walk to the playground, which was like a hundred meters away. And it was like so overwhelming. I started crying because it was so painful to walk at all. I was like sick and nauseous from how much it hurt. And I was like, this is really bad. Like this isn't how it was last time with my hip where I felt some irritation and I took a week off and it was better. Um, like this side is like seriously going through something. Um, so I ended up taking like a whole month off at that point and, um, it didn't get any better. Like I couldn't roll over in bed without it hurting so bad. I couldn't carry my son up and down the stairs because I didn't trust that it would have enough stability. And I was like, okay, there's something really wrong. So I ended up getting an MRI and um, they confirmed that there was a fracture. And to be honest, I thought it was something worse um, because I've had bone stuff before and it didn't feel the same as the bone stuff that I had had um, previously. And so I kept being like, no, no, like, I think it's like a labral tear, or I think there's like, you know, something really messed up. Um, so it was almost a relief whenever I heard that it was a, a bone fracture, because um, I was like, well, at least that can heal. Um, you know, labral tears, uh, you're looking at, you know, potentially surgery and a year of rehab and all this stuff. Um, so I was actually very relieved when they were like, oh, you know, six, six to eight weeks off and you'll be fine. I was like, well, thank God, because <laughs> that I, I can't afford any more time off. So I ended up taking the rest of the summer off and, you know, started up running again in September. Um, of 2019, which was an entire year after I started running after I had Athens. Um, and that was really frustrating because I was like, man, I'm starting over from the beginning after this crappy year that I thought was going to be a great rebuilding year. And, you know, I would get back into running and training and racing. And, you know, here I am like 10 by run a minute, walk a minute. Um, and I was so upset about it. And the, the worst part was that I didn't even feel good doing it. I felt terrible. Um, and I was like, you know, barely making it two miles. Um, and so that was really hard. And I had a lot of like emotional anger, um, and frustration and disappointment and, um, 
with my body. I was just like, why? Why did you break on me when I was trying everything I could to keep you healthy when I wasn't running that, um, you know, many miles? Like, what was going on? And then, you know, I stopped nursing um, Athens when he was nine months old because I was hoping that I could give my body, you know, more rest and it not um, be you know, strained um, to be feeding a child as well as training. Um, and so I went through a lot of like um, guilt about, um, you know, not nursing him through a full year um, because I, you know, selfishly was hoping that my body um, would feel better if I stopped nursing and instead I felt worse. So when you were dealing with that guilt and the, you know, just everything associated with how your body had not cooperated with with so many of the things that you wanted to do. And, and even it's not as if you had these high hopes, you're like, I just want to get back to training even 50 miles a week and, you know, and, and, and things like that. When you got to that point of peak frustration and just anger and all the emotions, how did you manage you know, working through those. Did you do that, you know, on your own or, or were there people that you leaned on for, uh, for help during those times? Yeah, I would say, um, at first I didn't even really understand or know like what it was that I was going through, um, or why I was feeling so upset or so down. And I remember, um, you know, right after my hip uh, started hurting and, you know, I was explaining like how I could barely walk. Um, I took Athens to the park with a few friends um, who have kids and like some really good friends that I've had for years and years. And I didn't want to talk to anyone. Um, I remember I just wanted to leave. Like I didn't want to be there. And I got home that night and I was talking to my husband and I was like, I think there's something wrong with me. Like I, I'm usually like, sorry, <laughs> I'm usually like a really happy and like go lucky person. And I can usually be pretty positive and like make the most of a situation. Um, look at the bright side of things. And like, I was trying so hard to enjoy just being outside, um, you know, to look at the fact that, oh, I get to spend more time with Athens. Like we get to do fun things. Um, you know, I get to connect with friends that I haven't seen for a long time. And instead I was just like, so miserable. Um, so then I felt guilty about that. <laughs> so it was like, it was really hard and I, I didn't really talk to anyone about it for a long time. And I guess <laughs> I wasn't expecting this like emotional response. So sorry about that. Um, so maybe I haven't even fully processed through it yet. Um, and I think a lot of it is coming out now. Um, and I'm feeling like more free to talk about it um, because I was able to turn things around and I was able to, you know, get through a hard time and persist and, you know, not give up on the things that I still believed were possible for me. Um, so once I was able to start um, kind of opening up and talking 
to my husband about it, um, that was definitely when I was able to start um, kind of processing and healing. And I remember September, like when I started running again, um, I almost didn't want to run. Like I was so scared to run because I was afraid that something else would just start hurting or like what if it fully hadn't healed or what if my body was just going to, you know, continue to break down on me. And I was like, I don't know if I can handle that again. Um, And that was something that I had never experienced before. You know, I've had a share of injuries, um, you know, just like most runners do. And typically, you know, I'd make the most of it. Yeah, it sucked. But once I was ready to go, I was ready to go. I was excited to run again and I'd get back into it. And this was the first time that I ever wasn't excited to run. Like I was really nervous to run and it wasn't fun to me. Um, I kind of like put it off a few extra days because I didn't even really want to do it um, because I was just so nervous that you know, something else was going to go wrong or, you know, I wasn't healed or something. And so, um, that was kind of scary for me just because, you know, I've running's been like my identity for so long and like who I am and what I do. And like, yeah, you know, who's Neely? Neely's a runner. Um, and so that was like something that I had never experienced before. And so, um, I would say it was, you know, September wasn't smooth. It was really hard. I wasn't enjoying running. Um, and I, my husband kind of talked to me because he's my coach and he was like, look, like you don't have to run. Like you don't have to keep doing this. If you don't want to, um, like no one expects you or forces you or anything like this is, you know, something that you do because you want to do it. And, um, I like couldn't even really respond to him. Like I didn't even know like how to, how to talk about that or even how I was really feeling about that. Um, and it took me a little while and I came back, you know, a few days later and I was like, yes, I still want to do this because I still have things that I'm not satisfied with and I miss it. I miss running. I miss feeling fit. I just am scared that my body isn't going to cooperate and is going to let me do what I want to do. And he was like, okay, like, it's okay to be scared, but if you don't try, will you regret it? And I'm like, yes, I will. If I don't try, I'm going to have regrets. Um, and that was kind of my moment where I was like, okay, um, I, I, I need to get back to this. And this is something that's so important to me. I can see how that would be such a breakthrough moment because it's kind of a way to kind of get through the clutter of other things you've experienced. But like what you said before is, is, um, is so true of that negative cycle that comes with negative self-judgment and getting past it is so tough because you feel bad and then you feel bad for feeling bad and then round and around you go and it can be so hard to break through that. So do you think that that kind of insightful question that your husband posed kind of got you through that morass and into thinking, Instead of, you know, worrying about expectations in the past, make you a little bit more forward focused. And obviously, you had still have plenty of things to work through and work out. But do you think that that kind of reframed how you were looking at not only running, but, you know, past, present and future? Yeah, it definitely did. And 
I also remember uh, during that conversation being like, look, I don't want to set any goals. I don't want a training plan. I don't want any expectations right now from myself personally, from you, from anyone else. Um, I just need to be able to lace up my shoes and go out the door and run and have that consistently happen day after day after day. And until I come to you and say, I want a training plan, or until I come to you and say, I want to set a goal, um, don't bring it up. Because right now I just need to enjoy running and I need to, um, you know, have that, like rebuild some of that confidence. And so that's what I did. I did, you know, very minimal training. Um, the month of October, as I was just trying to get back into a routine of lacing up my shoes and going out the door. And I remember day after day, I was doing, you know, four to five miles easy. Um, and I couldn't really go any faster than eight minute pace. Um, eight minute pace seemed to be this like hard barrier for me that I, uh, if I ran, you know, 805, I felt relaxed and I was enjoying it. If I ran 755, I felt like I was working hard and it wasn't fun. Um, and so I remember it was like a whole week of runs where I averaged like exactly 804 for every single run. And I was like, what? <laughs> like, how am I that much of a metronome right now that like I do it day after day after day? I average the exact same pace no matter where I ran or who I ran with or anything. Um, so let me dive in there. Was, let me dive in there, Neely, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah. You are so good. You have so many expansive answers, and like every sense, I'm like, oh, follow up question. I have so many. I know. I'm so sorry. I no, totally no, do great. that. <laughs> I love it. I think you are you are made for this. Every time I hear you on a podcast, I'm like, oh, she is so good at this. She's so much. Oh, she should host her own podcast. But I want to dive in there because you know you you set up those kind of boundaries with your husband slash coach, which makes so much sense. And I think there's two parts of that which I'd love to follow up on. First of all, how you manage that within your own head of, you know, kind of like setting up boundaries of your, of you not thinking, all right, what's next? What do I have to do? You know, Olympic trials are February 29th. I need to have the, you know, this all figured out by the end of January, so on and so forth. And you, know, you live a fairly public life or you have a social media presence. Like I'm sure there are fans of yours who want the best for you who are also asking even maybe in the nicest possible way but we're curious how things were going so how did you manage those two aspects of trying to stay in the moment yeah uh so one thing that i haven't yet mentioned is that i am still sponsored by adidas so i haven't raced you know up until i ran houston um it was basically two and a half years. Um, and they have stuck by me. They've supported me. Um, they have been so encouraging and understanding. And I had a lot of guilt about that because I was like, why do they still believe me? Why do they care? Like, you know, why should they keep, um, supporting me when, you know, I don't even believe in myself. Um, and so I struggled with that all fall. Um, thinking like, okay, you know, it's just a matter of time till that's done. And, you know, what, how am I going to emotionally handle once they move on? Um, and that was something that was really scary to me. And so it was kind of that 
like part of that conversation I had with my husband was like, look, I have to find joy for running in my, for me and to not care about what other people are thinking or saying or feeling, including my agent, including my sponsors. Um, like if I can't be happy and if I can't be following what you know, is going to bring me joy, then there's no way I'm going to be successful. Um, so I might as well not even try. So for, for me, I was able to kind of make this transition of, um, you know, this is what I want out of running. This is the relationship I want to have with running. And this is how I need to do it for myself. And so, yeah, it was hard. Like on social media, I was getting lots of questions, you know, so like, are you going to run the trials? I'll cheer for you at the trials. I'm like, yeah, I haven't qualified. Like right now I'm, my long run is eight miles. Like <laughs> how am I supposed to run a marathon in a few months? Um, and so th- that was kind of hard. Um, and it wasn't until um, the end of November, I had planned to do um the relay at CIM for fun with a friend because my husband was was running the full marathon at CIM, um, which it was December 8th. And so like two weeks before that, I was talking to my husband. I was like, look, I know I've only had four weeks of running underneath me, um, but I'm finally starting to feel good. And like, I was just getting fired up with like his race was coming up and I saw how hard he worked. And I was suddenly starting to like have more confidence in myself. I was starting to feel good. I was starting to be excited about it. And at this point I had done no workouts, um, nothing that would, you know, deem me race ready in any way. And I was like, I want to try and run pace at CIM and see how long I can hold it. And um, the, the trial standard, um, of 245 is 617 pace per mile. So I was like, okay, I'm going to try and run 617 pace and see if I can run, uh, the relay, the first half of, um, the CIM marathon, um, at that pace. And if I can do that, I think I have a chance, um, at getting my qualifier, you know, six weeks later at Houston. Um, and so that was my goal going into it. Uh, and I ended up averaging 608 for the half there. And I surpassed my goal of running the 617 pace. Um, and I was so sore. Um, I don't think I've ever been that sore from a race in my whole entire life. Like I couldn't do stairs for like five days. Um, <laughs> but I, I did what I wanted to do. And I felt like I had a chance at Houston um, as a result. And my only fear was that just the lack of miles I had under my legs. Um, So I was able to get up to 21 miles for a long run. Um, My workouts were like very, very, very abbreviated, short. Um, I was doing some like little light turnover workouts once a week, like um, two by a minute, two by 45 seconds, two by 30 seconds. And that's it. And, you know, typically in a marathon buildup, I would do like 10 mile tempo run and six by one mile at half marathon pace and eight by 800. Um, And, you know, workout days would be 14 to 16 miles. Um, And this was like, you know, eight mile run with, you know, 
a mile of fartlek in there or whatever. So it was like a, a completely different type of training. Um, but that long run, uh, being able to get up to 21 miles and feel pretty good doing it, um, that gave me some confidence. And uh, the fact that my body was healthy, I was like, you know what? I would much rather be healthy um, and undertrained and not fully prepared um, that way versus injured uh, because I tried to get too aggressive. Um, so that was kind of my whole approach was like stay very much on the the good side of the red line um, and don't push it in training um, and you know focus on uh, you know t- spending the extra time. Um, that typically, you know, I would be running, um, doing things like um, stretching or yoga or taking a nap. Um, and so that was kind of the way that I trained. Um, and I think that was the scariest part about lining up for a marathon after only six weeks of, um, you know, running uh, <laughs> decent miles and um, getting in any kind of workouts was um, – you know, is my body going to handle the distance? Is it going to handle the, um, you know, what comes after, you know, mile 16 when you've been running a long way and you still have a long way to go? Um, and I will say around mile 18 at Houston, I could tell I didn't have as many miles in my legs as I would have liked. Um, and it kind of became a, all right, let's just focus on one foot in front of the other, um, repeating that over and over and over and uh, keeping the turnover. I was hoping to maybe be able to pick it up um, and feel better picking it up uh, the last like 5K to 10K of Houston. And it ended up being a little bit more of like a maintaining um, type race than uh, being able to really pick it up and go for it. Um, So that's kind of where I am right now is, <laughs> uh, I did it. I did what I wanted to do. Um, it wasn't as easy as I had hoped, but, uh, that's okay. And it's a starting point for me to build on. And the last 10 K, um, of Houston, I was thinking about, you know, all the people, um, my husband, my family, um, my friends, my training partners, uh, my sponsors, my agents who uh, have supported me, who have believed in me, who um, you know have been there with me on this whole journey, and the people who have seen you know the good, the bad, the ugly, and um, you know were were in my boat with me, and so uh, that really helped me kind of pull some extra strength I needed to to get to the finish line. Now, how would you compare the last five or ten k in that race to you know your 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 epic performances at Boston and Chicago in terms of just how hard you had to push, you know, down the stretch to get the time that you know that kind of aligned with your fitness and your goals and things like that? Yeah, it's super interesting. So, 2016, um, I ran Boston, and that was my first marathon, um, and actually. In that race, I was very fit. I had trained, you know, four months straight for that. Um, And I was more concerned about the distance than anything. Um, And so in that race, I ended up being kind of ultra conservative um, for what my fitness was at that time. 
um, until I crested heartbreak hill. And then I was like, Oh wait, like this is a race. I should start pushing myself. Um, and I actually had one of like the fastest, uh, last 10 Ks of the field that year. Um, so I really turned it on, um, (laughs) in (laughs) the last 10 K of that race. Um, but again, I was in a such, such a different place fitness wise, um, that my body was ready for that. And, um, I was, you know, coming off of a, a 69 minute half marathon that fall. And I, I had a lot of confidence in the, in the speed, um, in my legs at that time. Um, and then I actually ran New York that year also. And, um, at New York, I ended up feeling really good. I was pushing myself harder throughout the whole race consistently. Um, but then I kind of bonked the last 5k. Um, I, I didn't have my fueling, uh, refined as much as I needed to. And so I, I was getting a side stitch after taking fueling, um, each time, like instantly I would take a gel and get a side stitch. So I just stopped taking my gels. Um, so I kind of ran out of steam, um, at the end, um, there, but otherwise I felt so good and so strong, um, in New York. And so, yeah, this was such a different feeling. And, uh, at Houston, aerobically, like cardio wise, I felt great. Like my breathing was fine. My heart rate was good. Um, but my legs and my muscles were fatigued and beat up, um, from the pounding. And I structurally like form wise started to feel like I was kind of falling apart because I just didn't have the strength of miles in my legs that, you know, I needed to be, um, you know, able to be a little bit more successful or to feel stronger, um, at the end of a race that distance. So obviously we, back in 2016, when you thought about what, what 2020 could have in store, you probably had a very different picture than what reality currently is, right? At the time in 2016, you were one of the best marathoners in America. And obviously now, you know, you're not at that level right now. With that said, you've also accomplished so much. I mean, to hear this comeback story is amazing. It is simply inspiring and incredible. So with all of that being said, how do you view what you've been able to accomplish and putting in context with not only what you've come through, but what you're hoping to accomplish later on? Yeah, well, I want to preface that by just being like, you know, I know I'm not the only one who's ever had an injury. I know I'm not the only one who has ever had a baby and has struggled, you know, on the other side. Um, And so, you know, I feel sometimes like I complain about these things, but I'm really just hoping that people can see that, you know, it's hard for everyone. Um, Like you said, like I, I was one of the, you know, top runners in, um, you know, 2015 to 2017 for the U S. Um, and you know, right now, uh, I'm so far from that fitness that I've had previously. And, you know, I hope to get back there. I absolutely do. I still have big goals. Um, but I also know that I have to take it incrementally. I have to be um, focused on the consistency, on small successes, on, you know, checking off goals along the way. Um, and I'm a coach and with my athletes, I often talk a lot about uh, having a, a outcome goal, which is like your big goal. So yeah, like, you know, everyone wants to go to the Olympics. That would be amazing. And I'm asked that all the time. 
Um, you know, don't you want to go to the Olympics? Yes, of course I do. Um, but I'm not going to let that one goal define my whole career. Um, if I don't go, it's a failure. If I do go, I made it. Um, I'm going to have other more process goals along the way. And hopefully I can work to potentially being in a position for that to become a reality. Um, but for me, uh, you know, I was hoping that 2020, I would be, you know, at least a top 10 type contender, um, at the trials, um, realistically. And now I'm like, happy that I made it. And right now my biggest thing is, okay, I just have to make it to the start line because uh, I've qualified twice before. This is my third time qualifying, but if I run, this will be my first time running um, because I've had injuries that have prevented me from making it to the start line um, in 2012 and 2016. So that's a huge goal. And that's something that would be a, an incredible victory, something I've never been able to accomplish, even when I was at the peak of, you know, my, my racing, um, it was still elusive. And so to me, like the victory and the win is, um, you know, I am back to racing, which is a huge goal to check off. Um, I have a place to build from. Um, so, you know, yeah, it was my slowest marathon by, um, you know, nearly 10 minutes. Um, and I had so many people who were like, oh, well, this should be easy for you, right? Like it's 10 minutes slower than your, your PR. And I was like, no, it is not easy. Um, <laughs> it has been really, really, really hard. Um, and I, I, I mean, with 5k to go, I had some doubts that it was going to happen. So I'm, I'm very happy to be able to sit here and have this conversation with you and say, Hey, you know what, that perseverance, that focus, um, it paid off and I'm excited to build from it. And it's exciting to witness it, it's, you know, you're one of those runners that connects with so many people, it's seemingly so effortlessly just because of you know, your own personal outreach and how affable you are. And so many people love following you. I had so many people reach out to me, hoping that I'd interview you, interview, interview you. There it is for the show. And I couldn't be more thankful enough for you to do just that. And it's so easy to see why hearing this story and seeing it. And, you know, it's amazing to think now, like, wow, of all the years that this is the year where you actually could, you know, be at the starting line of the Olympic trials compared to 2012, 2016. It's like, talk about something that you could never predict. It's just, it's such a, a wild journey. So again, thank you so much for coming on. This has been such an enlightening and inspiring, inspiring conversation and best of luck to you in Atlanta. Thank you. Neely, thank you again for coming on the show. This was a blast. So we're one month away from the Olympic trials. Things are really going to start progressing here on the podcast. We're going to do uh, basically live check-ins with all the people that we've been following for the past eight or nine months or so as they prepare for the Olympic trials. And then in March, we're going to you know do some recaps and we'll start talking about the track trials. Coming up, I cannot wait. If you don't already subscribe to my other podcast, The Rambling Runner, please do so. Yesterday, we put out a show with Alexi Pappas and Molly Huddle. This was the live show we did down at the Houston Marathon. Uh, this was the day before I did a live show with Jared Ward, which you may have heard on this podcast stream just last week. Thank you so much for listening, rating, reviewing, and sharing the show it really means so much to me. So have a great day and happy running.
This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.